You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, Goat Flippers? It's your boy, Lurk. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of the Van Flip Podcast. On this week's episode, we sit down with guitarist Sammy Duet and drummer Zach Simmons from the New Orleans-based black and death metal band Goat Whore. The group released Angels Hung from the Arches of Heaven just last October, which is their eighth studio full length. This episode was recorded in September of last year, so it's a lot about that album, plus some other things like Sammy and his cats. For more news, reviews, interviews, and content about your favorite bands, visit lambgoat.com. Give Lambgoat a like on Facebook, and make sure you're following Lambgoat on Twitter and Instagram at Lambgoat. Head over to our YouTube page, smash that subscribe button, and check out all of our video content over there. What kind of video content is on the YouTube page, you ask? We have all these podcasts in video format, we have live sets, we have interviews, and we have other kinds of content that you can check out. We currently are sitting on a lot of content that is already shot that we're editing as we go, and we're uploading weekly. So make sure you subscribe. Also, make sure you're supporting us on Patreon. All of our Patreon supporters get first access to all of our content, including the podcast, live sets, and any other content that we would put on YouTube. They get that first before everybody. Support Lamgo at starting at just one buck a month. And if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the podcast, make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. That's L-U-R-K-C-I-T-Y. And make sure you hit the description where you can find all of the relative links to this episode. While you're checking out the description, we would love it if you rated or reviewed us on whatever platform you're listening on. Giving us the highest rating or sharing us with your friends definitely helps us out with the algorithm and spreads the show around. Now that we have that all wrapped up, let's go ahead and start the show. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is stuff. Oh no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is good? Welcome back to the Van Flip Podcast. This week I am joined with Sammy and Zach of New Orleans-based black and death metal, black metal, sludge core, death, doom band, long-running band, Goat Whore. Welcome to the show, guys. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Awesome. You guys have been around for a long period of time, almost as long, a well, little bit longer than Lamb Goat has been around. Uh, you guys started in 97, and, and Sammy, you were a part of that. Uh, Zach, you came a handful of years later, but you've been there for the bulk run of the, the band. So you guys just did your 10th, 12th album, right? Or somewhere Eighth. in there. Eighth. I was close. <laughs> I was close. Almost there. All close. right. You got that wrong. The interview is fucking over. <laughs> and, hey, that wouldn't be the first time, unfortunately, Sammy. I've gotten something wrong right off the top. But 
I don't get what I don't have wrong is you guys did actually see like a lot of good success when you originally released it, or you still are seeing success. But you guys had some Billboard success uh, that first week or two that you guys released the record. How was that for you guys? Oh man, it was great. Uh, you know, we had a big parade down the street. And, you know, <laughs> they uh, they did a steak dinner for us at a uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. No. <laughs> yeah it, it's funny man because uh who knows what those numbers really mean uh these days especially i mean yeah I exactly Th things are changing so much and uh yeah last time we put out a record was five years ago so who really knows what the numbers mean but hey man i don't know it's it's all good it's cool i yeah, mean i've been doing this shit for a long time and i still don't know what those numbers mean <laughs> yeah Seems like every three th three years, there's like a different uh, a measuring post. You know what I mean? Like, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, either way, it's cool. It's just yeah. uh, <laughs> It was like a couple. It was like a couple of years ago. It was like uh, first week album sales was the big thing. Then now it's the charting thing. I guess means something again. I guess charting meant something back in like the '60s and '70s and '80s, and then they kind of disappeared in the '90s. Mm -hmm. And then it, it was the whole first out, first week album sales was a big thing. Then now it's charting again. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I, if you tell me it's a good thing, I guess it's a good thing. I don't necessarily know if it's a good thing, but it's we post about it, so it can't be a bad thing, right? Like it's got to well, be good. Know, it's got to be good. You guys are getting accolades somewhere somehow. Well, exactly. you know what they say. Exactly. There's there's no such thing as bad publicity. This is true. That's true, Sammy. Uh, but you guys, again, whether or not it means anything or it doesn't, you guys had some chart success, uh, whether your album streams or CD sales with your digital sales mashed together, made enough to do something. It's still good for, you know, metal in general that you're on the list. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. At least we're, uh, yeah, at least we're on someone's list. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys, speaking of like, I mean, obviously charting and all that stuff doesn't really necessarily matter to you, but when you guys are planning out an album, do you kind of plan out the when in the year you want to maybe release it? Because obviously sometimes during the year there's more competition, whether it be within the same genre, the same industry, or a different, completely different genre altogether. Do you guys ever think that or take that into consideration? Not really. When, it, when it's done, it's done, and we try to get in the studio as soon as possible. But I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, and sometimes we plan ahead when it's like, okay, the album's going to be done. And it's like, we're planning on releasing it. Let's say, uh, let's give a great example, February 14th, Valentine's Day. We're going to release it on Valentine's Day. But then let's say there's another big release that's the same day, then we might hold it back a week or two just to make sure it doesn't get buried completely, you know, because there's so many bands and so many albums coming out that you have to kind of be aware of that you know mm -hmm. but you know it all depends on who we have to go up against you know <laughs> who are some people that you don't like going up against if that's if, if that's the issue. Uh, behemoth is one that you don't want to go up against this one is goat whore uh cannibal corpse is a big one you know i, I think that you know not to uh not to talk shit on anybody or anything, but we had, we had it pretty easy with our release date on the October the 7th. I mean, the big one that we went up against was Lamb of God, you know? 
and not to talk bad about Lamb of God, but you know, Lamb of God's fans and our fans are completely on different planets. You know, what yeah, I'm saying? different styles of metal and stuff like that altogether for sure. I, I definitely can agree to that. Yeah, because I mean, if we go up against like let's say Cannibal Corpse released their new record the same day that we release our record, we're kind of tied into that thing a little bit, so it would kind of be detrimental to us. But yeah, yeah we, I get we had a, that. Yeah, but that, exactly like you're saying, it takes a little bit of planning sometimes, but you have to be aware of it, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah leave so, that up to Metal Lay, man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is something that I was thinking about because, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks here, we have posted a couple more of those, like, billboard chart, uh, you know, appearances by bands within our little wheelhouse here in Lambgoat. So it's, you know, I, I see later on in the year, obviously – as far as like November and December starts coming around, you don't see as many like new album releases. And that's obviously because of competition with just everything by everyone buying everything else and stuff. But you know, in my head, it's also like, well, if you were like the one band to put something out within that time frame, you don't have a total lot of other band competition, but you have competition for other people, you know, other things pulling their dollars away from other people. So I, I, I see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So back to angels hung from the archers of the arches of heaven. Strike talk- two, motherfucker. Strike <laughs> talk- motherfucking Let's two. Let's talk about the new album. Let's talk about the new album. Um, the, the imagery on the album is very, very unique. Uh, do, you, do you guys have any, uh, what, what, it, what it means, what it, what it portrays, how it ties in with the eighth record? Well, I was just going to give you one hint, okay? I don't know if uh, you or any of the viewers out there are very familiar with a lot of occult stuff or anything, but uh, the Ten of Swords going into the raven it definitely means something i'm not going to tell you what it is you have to figure it out on your own but to look up the ten of swords ten of swords in the tarot is not a good thing mm-hmm. so just i'm just going to put that little bug in your ear so you know, I, I like to leave it up to everybody to kind of interpret it their own way you know i get you yeah to take it as they see it or however they take it in uh i'll be googling that later so i'm sure i'm sure our use our our listeners will also be doing that as well. Um, what do you guys think led to a lot of the success with this particular album? Was it the five-year gap that you had in the last album with COVID and everyone just being, you know, a little more, a little amped up, We, you know, as we like to call it, uh, with the last couple of years, people are more, you know, riled up and upset, I guess. Do you think that that anything, had anything to do with it? Or did you have, like, something significant that y'all, that you guys put into the albums, per se? I think it might be a combination of probably all of all of that a little bit you know uh <clears throat> i've noticed since we got back on the road um this spring starting this spring that people are just really enthusiastic across the board just to you know be out of the house and be able to go to shows and then uh <clears throat> just to see the world kind of back to where it was you know so i think that's a big part of it and i think metal is in general is kind of on an upswing and uh, a lot of bands out there are just kicking ass right now. So, and then also the five year gap that uh, people were just kind of hungry for it, and it kind of built the demand. And and I guess uh, the material like, stands up. You know, people like it. It's some strong collection of songs. So I think it's a combination of all of that. What do you think, Sammy? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I was about to. If, if you wouldn't answer that question like that, I would have probably answered it exactly like you did. Yes, I think it's a combination of the whole thing of everybody just being locked up and pent up and ready to just go wild, you know, and, you know, and the five years that we didn't 
uh, put the record out. <laughs> Definitely, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just happy that no one forgot about us in those five years, you know, because you know how it is nowadays, you know, you've you got to roll with it or you're going to get rolled over, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's a, just Zach nailed it on the head. It's a combination of all those situations that kind of equaled out to a, where we are now and everybody, how everybody's reacting to the record. And, uh, you know, plus, you know, the record's all right. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's pretty, good. it's pretty good. You were saying something, you, you kind of shared, shared a little light about like, if you're not like active or if you're not like out in the public eye, you kind of, you know, you could be forgotten as a band that's been around for over 20 years and who kind of, you know, pushed their way in and elbowed their way in without the use of like social media and the internet. Do you find it like annoying to deal with all that social media stuff or having to do any of that? Like, do you even guys, do you guys do that or do you let other people handle it or? No, I, I like it. You know, I have my own uh, Instagram page that I do a lot of stuff on. I'm constantly posting reels and I'm going live on Sundays sometimes and just taking fans questions if they were to come in and tune in and watch, you know? And, you know, I, it started off for me personally, for my social media, was that I just wanted to show off pictures of my guitars. Mm. And then it just kind of spiraled out of control that there was all these, you know, fans that started uh, following me and started, you know, why don't you do a live every now and then and take some of our questions? And it kind of blew up. But as far as the band goes, it's a necessary evil nowadays. You know, it's not like it was back in the day where you know you put out a record and you go pick up a magazine or several magazines that came out every month and you had your band's flyer in the magazine that you know those days are over so you know basically social media is our new like metal maniacs magazine you know <laughs> right do you find it harder or easier than those times to get to, to for yourself and other people if you have an opinion on other people's uh, I, I don't think it's as hard as everybody thinks it is. It's just a matter of being uh, busy with that stuff and being active on the social media. Because, I mean, the bands that are being successful with that are really, really active with that. You know, they're constantly posting stuff like two or three, four times a day, you know. And, you know, as far as we go, you know, we don't like to oversaturate it. That's way when we hit somebody with a big bomb of something that comes out, it's like, oh, shit, they posted this, you know. Mm -hmm. So we try not to flood the whole thing with just constant, you know, nonsense. You know, you, what, what, did, what, did, what did Zach have for the lunch today, you know, or some shit yeah. like that, you know? You got to leave some mystique in there, I think. I mean, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a point, where I, th I think, with the social media thing, you can kind of overexpose or kind of out where you're welcome in a way with, I, I don't know. I think for a band like us, um, there's certain things that, you know, you got to, I don't want to call it mystique, but uh, you know, something along those lines of, you know, people don't need to uh, see what I had for lunch. You know what I mean? People don't care about <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. You know, you know, it's just like Zach said, just there, a lot of people, and a lot of bands just post like unnecessary shit, you know, basically. Yeah, I get that. Do you find that those bands that do post the unnecessary shit or the ones that are, are really working their their social media, whether they're doing five reels a day or something ungodly like that, do you think that that's bringing in the, uh, 
uh, what do you would call it, the proper demographic for that band maybe, or exposing new people to stuff, or because obviously when you're in the algorithm world, you might not be touching anybody that listens to Goat Horror or listens to this band or that band that the band's posting. So True. You, know, you, you have a very, you know, it's, you have an opportunity to touch somebody, but is it worth touching that person because uh, you know, it may be completely... I think it comes down to maybe your personality too, and maybe, you know, what kind of band you are. And maybe if you have that kind of more social, uh, playful attitude about your band or something, but, uh, basically I think maybe individual personality. I don't, I don't, I'm not a person that typically just posts every day, just on, on my own in general. So I, when it comes to band stuff, I, you know, I only really, uh, you know, if there's something to say, I'll say it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to, you know, just throw something out there, but to each their own, man, everybody's got their own thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's like you were saying, it's almost like a double edged sword, the way you were explaining, you know, because you're, you know, if you're posting a lot of stuff and you have, you're reaching all these people, are you really reaching the right audience? I know what you're saying exactly, but it's a double edged sword, you know, it could it could explode in your face or it could work in your favor, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, how can – because over over here at Lamgo, we, you know, there's a finite amount of people that we can touch in general because only a finite amount of people listen to all these types of music, right? So how can, how do we grow that audience? And, you know, I, that's just uh, – that's what we have internal talks here all the time about. But, you know, it's very difficult to not be cheesy – but also do quality, you know, give them quality, but not be like doing TikTok dances or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's not get into that. Oh, why? Have you guys had some failed TikTok dances on the goat horse? No, TikTok? no. It's just, it, dude. It's every time I open up fucking Instagram, it's like some. Uh, I'm not even gonna. No, I'm just gonna <laughs> shut up while I'm ahead. Yeah. I'm just gonna shut up while I'm ahead. Man. It wouldn't be there if you weren't looking at it, though. Yeah. <laughs> True. If a tree falls in the forest without you being there, would you hear it? If there's a girl with a big butt dancing on TikTok, shaking her butt, and you didn't see it, would you have saw it? No. I, I don't close know. my eyes, man. I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> I just may, listened to it. I may be a little bummed out if I did see it, depending on who the person was. But are all you guys are all you guys uh, still based in New Orleans or around in Louisiana, or do you guys live all over these days? Oh, the band is definitely based in New Orleans. Sammy lives in New Orleans, and uh, uh, Ben lives there too as well. Uh, <laughs> I live in Phoenix uh, currently, and our uh, TA lives in Austin. So we all get together when it's time, and it kind of works out like that. Cool. Does that? hinder or help like your writing processes and stuff like that like is it easier to work apart or is it easier to work together well i mean it's definitely harder to work apart but you know we have a system to where when we do get together we don't waste any time you know what i'm saying like when we get together it's time to get down to business yeah yeah we even when you know when we're writing you know before we come into town like even like way before, we'll we'll have an objective, you know. Like Samuel have material <clears throat> ideas already presented, and it'll be learned, and we'll show up ready to go, you know. So, yeah, we don't like you said, yeah, you know, we don't waste any time. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> you guys had uh, you guys are home now, but you were on tour earlier in the year, right? During the record. Yeah. Yeah, before the record. Yeah, we uh 
I think we did. Uh, we started started in like late March. We did uh, was it like was it like fifty something shows and we're here yeah, and they into a tour with Guar and then uh, we did a co headliner with uh, Incantation like mm-hmm. slightly right before the record came out. So it has a feel being back on the road, obviously, because you guys took a, quite a year, uh, some time off as well as everyone else did. Oh, it felt amazing. It felt like I had uh, like I went back home. I was going away from home, but it felt like I went back home. Right. If that makes any sense. No, yeah, yeah. You're going back to your life that you kind of you live yeah. on a day-to-day basis, but technically it's your home, but not your yeah. domicile. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of surreal, man. It was, it, it was, <clears throat> you know, just it didn't feel real at first, you know, because it, uh, it there was so much uncertainty uh, beforehand during the whole pandemic thing. Or like, are we going to be able to do this again? So when the time came, you know, the the, there was just that this surreal feeling, and then also like just the first week of being back on the road, it's just getting used to you know the body and mind acclimated to being back on the road because it's it was such a foreign environment, you know. How difficult is that? Because obviously you're sedentary for such a long period of time over the pandemic, and obviously like for touring musicians, you don't get a lot of time set put. Like you know, you don't get to stay put a lot of the time. Uh, when your you know financial stuff is wrapped around in touring, so uh, like, how is it getting back into the swing of things? And how annoyed were you by other people and by, by other band members and things like that? Because obviously, <laughs> you guys had to like push each other's buttons. It's either not it's for fun or just by accident. I think it's, it was kind of like riding a bike. You know, it, it comes back pretty quick. But I think, uh, oh man, um, just acclimating just the to that routine again, you know. I think that was it's you know a, a few days to a week, and then you're you're on track. But yeah, and then getting uh feeling uh the little different pains that come and go. Like oh, I, I remember this feeling, you know, and you, know, you just kind of work through it. But yeah, the first week, as with any tour, but yeah, after about a year and a half, two years off, it was you definitely noticed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of the, I think the biggest thing to me is a matter of just trying to get rest. That's that's the thing that really is, is the whole sleeping thing is really mm-hmm. what fucks with me the most on tour because, you know, nine times out of ten, we're not in a bed. We're in a van sleeping. So you once you're, I mean, after the first week, you're fine. But it's that first week, you're like, man, why does my fucking arm hurt? Oh, wait, I slept on a fucking van vent. That was bumped. That was like bouncing around a fucking road all night. But after, like I said, after the first week, it's like ah, we're you're good. It's all good. No more pain. Everything is fine. You get used to those double seatbelts digging into your side on oh, the back bench. Yeah, great. I, I love it. Yeah, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. Um, you guys talked about like a resurgence in metal in the beginning of the podcast, and I kind of wanted to like pick your brains as to what you either think that's from or what caused it, or you, you know where the trajectory will go from it. Because I also agree that there is similar, uh, um, not similar, but there is a rise in all types of metal. I, I think death metal is one of the ones that is becoming like a big resurgence. Obviously, anything heavy, uh, sludgy, that's coming back, or not coming back, but that's becoming like a forefront uh, sound as well. What do you guys think that's from? I think it's just from like people, uh, I mean, Everything history always repeats itself, you know. And I was around in like the early '90s when the death when death metal was at its peak, you know. 
I mean, Cannibal Corpse was in movies for God's sake. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. death metal. I mean, it was death metal was gigantic back in the early '90s, and you know, like I said, history always repeats itself. So I think people are just getting bored with the same old safe kind of music and just looking for something more extreme. You know, and you know they delve into the black metal, death metal, thrash metal thing, you know? Yeah. See, yeah, it's kind of like a cyclical thing, you know? It's, you remember when, like, the thrash revival, uh, maybe five to ten years ago, you know, all those bands started right. kind of, you know, uh, coming out in the same vein as that 80s thrash, you know? And, and now it's kind of the same with the old-school death metal feel. And it kind of started off with the, you know, the um, younger bands, you know, doing the the Swedish kind of sound with that guitar tone, and and it kind of morphed into you know all sorts of different uh, splintered off into different directions. But I think, yeah, it's it's I think the metal scene as a whole, you know, not even death metal or black metal. I think it's pretty healthy across the board. And, you know, even <clears throat> bands that aren't even remotely related to what we do, I think it helps the genre as a whole. You know, it can't, it can't hurt. Agreed. Agreed. Um... Yeah, that, that's, that's uh, I agree with you that there's a lot more crossover, and I don't mean to take the term crossover, but there is a lot more crossover from like hardcore, uh, hardcore music meeting death metal, and you have thrash meeting death metal, or I'm sorry, hardcore, and you have all these like just, you know, melting pots of like things that are considered cross crossover, or thrash crossover, or death metal crossover, to the point where you have a term not like a term now that's called old school death metal you know and like it's it's just really funny that that's become a term recently you know and i don't know it's strange. i mean it, i mean it is you know i mean well what would what would be considered new school death metal is the whole thing i don't know maybe like a crossover band that has death metal in, you know death metal influences and, and parts but, to it, but, but but they're not really considered death metal. They're considered crossover or crossover death metal or death core, have you? Yeah, would that yeah. be considered new school death metal? Mm, death core, I don't know if that would be more in the death metal vibe. I think maybe it's just more like these blackened bands that are just bringing more uh, death metal elements into it. And I think bands are just becoming, again, more in line with the death metal aspects too, you know? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe the the just the production style too plays into it, you know. Uh, you know, I, when I think of new school death metal, I kind of think of just the oversampled and quantized, you know, drums and just the, the kind of the production techniques. Maybe I don't know. What yeah, and when and when the newer the new old school death metal bands <laughs> did I is that correct? <laughs> well, so the, the new old school death metal bands like have a shittier production. Of, well, oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that: a raw production, Rawr, rather yes. than a a new school death metal band. Do you guys? I mean, obviously, since you just put out a record, how how important is production to you guys, and how how important is it to have to maintain closer to those old school tactics, or do you guys? you know, explore with the newer production and newer, newer things that are going on. And how do you have to find a happy medium if you ever do? There's I a mean, happy medium for sure. I mean, there, yeah, it is a happy medium, but it's like, it, there's a sound in our head that we are definitely looking for in a production, 
that's not too clean and not too pristine and not perfect, but still there's still clarity and it's still super big and still super heavy. And I think this U record is a step in that direction. Mm -hmm. Rather than not to talk bad about our last records, but I find that this one is definitely more of what the vision is coming into reality of what we are supposed to sound like on record. So basically like technology is catching up with good form. Is that what you're kind of trying to say? Or regressing. Yeah. I, I don't know. Or some, <laughs> are we just, we just pick the right people to work with finally. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's a big part of it too. Cause there's, there's a lot of things that, um, I don't know, but that we, we can't articulate, but the people we work with, know how to take that information and apply it you know what i mean mm -hmm. <laughs> i can yeah. like me or sammy can explain something in like the most um <laughs> non-technical just meathead way and the people that are paid to and know what they're doing know how to interpret that <laughs> yeah because i'll be just like it's not heavy enough it sounds and like shit you, you fix <laughs> yeah it's like it's not heavy enough and they'll be like Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So how so how did you guys get together? Because obviously this is um, it's a Metal Blade release again, and you guys released on Metal Blade prior. So when you say you had the right team around or the right people around this time, um, how did you guys fall in line with that with that team of people? And do you guys are you guys planning on using them again, even though you guys just put a record out, obviously? But do you guys think about that stuff for like the next cycle? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we had Jared Pritchard that engineered the record. So the thing about Jared Pritchard is that he's mixed us for like 10 years. He was our live sound engineer. So he knows what to get out of us onto the onto the recording. And then we had Kirk Ballou. Mm -hmm. May Satan bless Kirk Ballou's beautiful soul. Kirk Ballou, we had been wanting to work with Kirk for so long. We wanted to work with him on the last record, but the scheduling didn't work out. So when we when we got the opportunity to work with him this this lot for this last record, we were like, yes, please get him, nail him in, pencil him in. I don't want to lose him. I want him to work on this record, and he knocked it out of the park. But uh, for this next record after this, I definitely want Kirk involved again. I mean, in a perfect world, to me, would be that we'd go back to the same the same studio that we did this record at which is a studio in the country in Bogalusa, Louisiana. The studio's just great. It's awesome. And just get Kirk to be, do the whole record himself. Because we couldn't get Kirk to uh, do the engineering on the record because of the pandemic and shit. Mm -hmm. So he, was, he, was, he didn't feel safe traveling and all that stuff just yet. So he was like, I'll mix the record, but I can't do anything else. And we're like, that's fine. So on the next one, I'd really like him to be more hands-on with the whole thing and and that would probably be pretty fucking massive, the final result. What uh, I agree, man. That'd be great. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I totally agree with Sam. That's yeah, I th I think uh when it comes to this record, I think everything came out great every every step of the way. But I think for the next one, man, I, it uh Kurt had such a heavy hand in uh um bringing out, you know, the the best best sound of these performances and i think he would uh be a huge asset just being involved in the whole process next time 
You mentioned the uh, it was a small or a country studio. What what primarily is recorded at that studio in Louisiana, in the country? Wait, so, say again. You, you were saying that you recorded the album in a country studio out in out in Louisiana. What primarily is recorded in that studio most of the time? Oh, it was the name of the studio is Studio in the Country. Oh, okay. that's the that's the name of the studio, because it's like literally in the middle of fucking nowhere. But like their whole claim to fame was they recorded that uh Kansas record. What was the name of it, Zach? They did like four of the classic Kansas records. Yeah, I think the studio has been around since like '76. It was built yeah. and finished. But uh, yeah, uh, tons of Cinderella did a record there. Okay. Uh, okay. Marilyn Manson did some stuff there. Yeah, it's across the board, just a bunch of different stuff, whether it be rock or, you know, right. country so it's, or whatever. It's not, it's not out of the blue that Good Horror would come in and, and do an album there. It's, uh, it just sounded like when you originally said it was out in the country that you were just going to some, you know, studio with great acoustics and some, some really, you know, good stories within the wood. And I just was trying to find something. That's pretty there. much, yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty much what it is. It's it's kind of yeah. It's like when you walk in there, it's like walking into the seventies, basically. Interesting, cool. Yeah, good vibe, man. It was a good working environment. So, how long were you guys sitting on the record? Obviously, because if you if Kurt couldn't come do some things to the pandemic, you obviously kind of had fucking s- sitting on the fucking record for fucking ever. We had yeah. it mixed and mastered for and pretty much done for what uh, almost a year, and then you know we had time to get artwork together and all that. But yeah, because we knew that the release was going to be later than we had hoped, just because of vinyl, mm-hmm. you know, everything being kind of delayed, and so many re- the re- Metal Blade's release schedule was kind of kind of hectic. So we kind of had some extra waiting to do. But uh, yeah, man, but we just pro- probably sat on it for. Not if not a year, close to it, man. Yeah, at least eight months. Hmm. How hard is that? It sucks. <laughs> do, you it's you, like, do you talk about uh, it with anybody? Do you show anybody it, anything? It, we we show we would, yeah we'd let like really close friends be like, hey, I got the new goat whore, and they'd be like, what? I was like, yeah, if you want to hear it, I'll let you hear a song if you give me twenty five dollars. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was a span of a couple months in there where I, I didn't forget about it, but I just kind of like, I had heard it so much, so I had to just step away, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it, was it hard to start playing that stuff live since you guys, you know, have had it in your head for so long and you hadn't played it live in, in front of people? Well, we've only played one song from the record live so far because I think oh, while we are on that incantation tour, they released uh, Born of Satan's Flesh. So we played that song live, but we didn't want to play any any more songs from the record that weren't released because it's like, you know, it's like you're going to see a movie. You know, you don't want to give away too many spoilers before the movie's over. I get you. Without giving a spoiler away, because this will come out in weeks' time, um, you guys would then have to be going support to be announcing a tour to support the record to play more songs off the actual record in the next couple of weeks here or months, right? Yes, we're planning on some stuff as we speak right now. I know we're going to Europe with Revocation, mm-hmm. January and February, and then we're working on some very special stuff for uh, right after that when we get back for early next year. How hard is it to, because you, you guys have a career that spans over 20 years at this point, how hard is it to pick set lists 
And how how do you guys do that? Put them all in a bag and just pick randomly, or do you kind of like ask the fans or? Well, you have the kind of ones that you know the fans want to hear. Right. But then around that, you just kind of build songs that you actually want to play, you know. But you always have you have to be wary as well. You can't go too deep into the deep cuts because, you know, uh, Zach will attest to this, that we uh, we did a, a little run. Uh, it was earlier. It was like earlier this year, Zach, that we did that stuff with Frozen Soul. Uh, that was last year. Yeah, like last yeah. summer. Yeah. So last summer we did a little run in Texas that was about a week long. And uh, we had the fantastic idea to play a bunch of shit off our first record, like five <laughs> songs off of our first record. And the thing about our first record is, is that it's very difficult to find. <laughs> so all the fans are like, is this a new song? What, what are they playing? <laughs> yeah, it was just we're like, yeah, we have to be more uh, conscious of what we're doing with the live shows after that, you know? Seems like the band's going back to its roots on this new track. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you brought up like your Instagram, Sammy, about you originally started it because you wanted to show off your guitars. And I've been waiting to bring it up because you have, I don't know, how many guitars hanging up behind you, which I can only imagine is part of your collection. So that, that's only that's only a couple of them. That's what I was feeling. I, I, some tells me you have a Look, it, room. It, it never ends. It never a, ends. You either have a room or a storage unit somewhere with a bunch of guitars in it. So. How did this guitar collection start, and how big is it? Uh, it started, man. It's 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 been a work in progress for about thirty years or so. Because I I started off and I was sort of collecting stuff, and I was just collecting like a lot of junk, basically, and not really getting the stuff that I actually wanted. So eventually, I just kind it just kind of snow it snowballed into what it is, and just finding really good deals and guitars that I actually want. It's not like I buy a guitar just to buy a guitar. Everything that I have here is all guitars that I like actually want them. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a big fan of Randy Rhodes mm -hmm. ever since you know. And uh, I have a massive collection of Jackson Randy Rhodes guitars, <laughs> and uh, just because I love Randy Rhodes. But uh, it just kind of spiraled out of control at a certain point, to where <laughs> I I was like, I was finding all these guitars for really good prices, and I was like, okay, I got this one. I'm gonna take a break for like a couple of months before I buy another one. Then a week later, another one pop up for like the right price, and it just be like, fuck. So it's all about looking for the right deals. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm at about, I would say, between this and the rest of them that are in the other room, I would say maybe I'm like at about 43. Interesting. Damn. Do you play them a lot? Do you, do you play them or do you keep some just for like keepsake? I just like that guitar or, you know, it was someone else's guitar, so I just want to, I don't want to own it or don't touch it type thing. Or do you play them all? I, I have one guitar that I play very rarely because it's just so old and it's so valuable but and that still gets played every now and then but yes i play i i mean they're not just hanging on the wall to look cool you know <laughs> I, i'll just i'll just fucking sit there and stare at them and play one for like 15 minutes put that one on the rack pick up another one play that one for a few minutes you know is that yeah, how I play like, is that how inspiration comes from when you're writing songs is picking up guitars exactly. like that 
It does, yes, because you never know what might be happening. You might pick up a guitar and you're like, I'm not really digging this one today. Let me pick up another one. And all of a sudden, a riff pops out of nowhere, you know? Interesting, interesting. Zach, so it's, a, con it's a constant source of inspiration, you know? I get that. I get that. And of uh, a vast money pit, obviously, it's probably yeah, yes. very expensive uh, hobby, unfortunately, or addiction, <laughs> as you want to call it. Yeah, I do, however you look at it, yeah. <laughs> Zach, I would assume you have like uh, just a bunch of drums in a room somewhere, uh, forty something drum sets. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Not quite that many, but uh, I think uh, I think I'm down to four now. I've got my main touring kit in New Orleans stored away, and uh, I've got three other Pearl kits uh, in Phoenix right now. But but yeah, I've uh, <clears throat> I used to buy a, buy a new kit for touring. I'd use it for two or three years and I'd sell it off to a fan or something. <clears throat> and then, you know, I'd just, you know, kind of be flipping drum kits basically and just buy a new one up off of that. But, uh, you know, try to take care of my stuff. So it's not like when I sell it off, it's, it's all beat up or anything, but, uh, right. yeah, I like to, it's always nice to have a fresh, uh, uh, you know, set of drums. That is interesting about flipping them at the end of the uh, the tour and whatnot, which is pretty cool because obviously, like a fan that is into the band and into you guys would think that's pretty valuable uh, and want that. So, I yeah, totally. That, and uh, yeah, if cool. you take care of your stuff, and and uh, I normally sell them for a pretty good price too. You know, so uh, yeah, it works out for everybody in the end. You know, interesting. Um, one of the last questions I have about like the band per se is it's it's probably a question that I ask a lot of bands because it seems to be the one position that kind of seems to be rotating in in a band. But like you guys have had a you guys have maintained a, a, the core lineup for a long period of time. But why do you think bass players always seem to just roam free and come and go in bands? Well, I mean, the the reason. And not, I should probably clarify, I'm not talking bad about bass players or anyone that has played bass in good or, or any band for that matter, but it seems to be one of the rotating door role, ro rotating door roles. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, I, if I think uh, our bass player that was with us before, TA, James Harvey, I think that if he wouldn't have had, started having children and stuff and like starting to be a responsible adult, he would probably still be with us. But, you know, he was having a kid and he wanted to do the right thing and he wanted to be a father to the kid, not just be on the road all the time and some kid not having a father. He did the right thing. You know, there's no bad blood at all. You mm -hmm. know, I still talk to James all the time. He still writes stuff every once in a while for us, you know, so it's all good. But he made he had to make a decision. You know, and I, I don't I don't blame him for his decision. You know, I mean, the kid's a big responsibility. Of you know? course. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, everybody's got their own, you know, uh, you know, personal factors or, or whatever else. But, uh, in, in our case, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, nowadays there's no bad, bad blood with any past members or bass players or anything, but yeah, it's, it is kind of strange that, uh, you know, that's, you know, aside from, uh, you know, the, the drummer I replaced it's aside from that, um, it's all, all been bass players as far mm -hmm. as member switching. Because yeah, I fucking know. hate them. <laughs> <laughs> is that something that's like, because you know, in metal, bass for the most part is just kind of one of those instruments that sometimes is, doesn't, even, doesn't even have to be in the band. Sometimes you get two pieces where it's just guitar player uh, and drummer, or you get three pieces, two guitar players and a drummer, and they just 
they say fuck it with the bass. It's it's in metal. It's very strange. I, I guess you could go that way, but I, I I still think the bass is very important, man, to have that low end filling out the the situation. But yeah, as I guess I'm to pull it up. Yeah, as a know. drummer, Zach, you should you should be speaking for your brothers, your low end brothers at all times. Yeah, yeah. I'm sticking exactly. up for them, man. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you would go and listen to like Carnivore or Typo Negative without bass, it would definitely not have the same effect. Mm. You know, true. At first, I thought you said corn or something, and I was like, "Yeah, you can't no. listen to corn without the bass." I under- I agree. <laughs> I think I actually would listen to corn if they didn't have a bass. <laughs> I would I listen to corn if the bass player, the guitar players, the drummers, and the singer quit. Yeah, I, I'm not a big corn fan after the first couple albums. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna. I, do I, that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love corn, man. They're great. I've never seen them live. That's one of the bands I've never seen live somehow in the whole 30-plus years I've been listening to the heavy stuff. But Yeah, I, I've never seen Korn live either. Weird. I didn't Zach, see that coming. Zach, Zach's sitting there uh, very quiet. I, I've seen him a few times, yeah. Interesting. I mean, some sometimes by choice. Sometimes not by choice. I don't know. Oh, I've never, wait. I, 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 I did almost hear them. I did. I heard them. I did. I didn't see them. I was being arrested while they were playing. But anyway, that's a that's a story for a different scenario. Oh well, I mean, we could definitely jump into that story if you no, want no, to no, just, no. I was getting arrested while Corn was playing, so I did get to see them, but I did hear them. I understand why you why you don't want to hear them or, or have anything to do with them because it brings back traumatic memories exactly i can get that we can move on from it um so so outside of good horror and you know black and death metal and sludge metal and all sorts of stuff what does sammy get into and what does zach get into what what are, what are the hobbies outside of collecting guitars and doing other things what what do we got that's it i kind of this saw is, that i kind of this, had a feeling that that would be that would be this is it thing. guitars heavy metal and cats that's it Cats. So that's okay. that's the that's the extent of it. Zach? Yep, for me, man, it's uh <clears throat> should I do on my downtime? It's either has to do with this, which is playing drums, practicing drums, or or uh or just you know, trying to stay fit for the, you know, for um uh, to be healthy and to be healthy on the road, to be a good drummer on the road and stuff. Mm-hmm. It all kind of fits into one little thing, but uh yeah, going to shows, playing shows. Uh, you know, uh, uh, aside from go to work, you know, staying involved with music as much as I can. You know, and uh, that's about it, man. You attend. Uh, what kind of shows do you attend outside of your own? Obviously, do you have? Uh, are they bigger shows, local shows, independent shows, or? Well, recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw Merciful Fate, mm-hmm. Midnight, and Creator. So that was a big one. Um, then a couple of days later it was Wasp, man. It was like the the most heavy, the heaviest weekend I can remember in a while. You know, um, it was it was like '86 came back around. You know, it was the year I was born, so yeah. it was good to be an adult in '86. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. What all do you guys listen to outside of like heavy stuff? Where where do you do you get? Is it just heavy stuff? Sammy's over here shaking his head like I don't. That's it. it. I don't have any just, bandwidth or bullshit for anything else. Just heavy, evil shit for me. Thank you. That's all. Interesting. So yeah, no, everything. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead I'm Zach. sorry. Go ahead, Zach. 
Yeah, everything's pretty much for me at least is based based in rock. You know, it has some sort sort of relation to rock and roll. You know, that's that's about it. Yeah, like the lightest the lightest thing I'll listen to is Danzig. That's okay. It. <laughs> okay, how did you? Uh, so where did that all start for you, Sam? Like where where did you, where does the whole like passion and love for heavy just come from? Oh man, it, it started with Kiss. It's all Kiss's fault. It seems to be a ringing thing all the time. Like when I when I speak to bands that have been around for a long period of time, it's always going back to Kiss, man. Yeah, man. It was just a uh, kid, just totally. Uh, I was very fortunate, you know, that I was born in that age to where I was like a really young kid, right when Kiss Mania like took over the world, you know. And I was like maybe nine or ten years old, you know. It was just Kiss everything, you know. And it was just. It just kind of expanded from that, you know, to where I grew up. And I was like, there's got to be more to life than Kiss. What else do we have? Oh, wait, ACDC. That's cool. That sounds great. Oh, Black Sabbath, even better. Then we spiraled into Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and so forth, you know. Mm -hmm. Then the whole thrash metal thing came about and got involved in that. And always looking to be more extreme, I found the death metal scene and the black metal scene, and you know. It just a never-ending quest to find the heaviest music I can listen to. And obviously that does play into the sound of Goat Whore at some point over the years. I, I would assume you find heavier, more unique sounds, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago. And I'm assuming, you know, subconsciously or not subconsciously, those ways, those, those parts make them in, make their way into the new stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. What is the, what is the newer band? A heavy band, obviously, because we're talking to you now. How, what is a newer band that you're super into that has been around for like you know five less than five years or so? Or do you have any bands like that? Uh, I'm super into Cults Des Ghouls. That band is just a band that I can't stop listening to. Uh, there's a newer band. I think band. they they put out a record in 2019, but they have a new record out this year called Noctum. Mm-hmm. And the release they put out in 2019 was called The Black Concentrate Black Consecration. That album is fucking fantastic. Uh their new record, I haven't gotten the chance to hear the whole thing all the way through, but the songs that I heard are great. Um trying to think of other bands that have come out. There's another band that I'm really into that's called Involtation. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a solo guy out of Ohio somewhere. That's really sick shit. Interesting. It's so weird how like just one random guy making you know music in his house. Yeah, and, and it's and, and you're, it's you're just, in here like I can't stop listening to it. You know, <laughs> it, it's good stuff, man. It's just it's yeah. nasty. Zach, what about you? What are you listening to these days that you know inspires you or that you like to listen to? Uh, man, a constant for me it seems like since forever. It's just Motorhead, man. You get so much, just a wealth of material that every week I can have a new favorite mo or different favorite motorhead record you know what i mean so that's how it seems to always be a constant sabbath too of course but uh, you know aside from that newer bands um uh vitriol uh death metal band from uh mm-hmm. portland just vicious man just uh really pissed off aggressive um and then another band from portland totally kind of opposite vibe wise onto others man i really really dig that band and just, just really good catchy catchy tunes and you know once you once you kind of let let out all the 
let off your steam, listen to the vitriol, man. You can put some of that on and kind of even things out a bit. But I guess there's always some new stuff, man. Uh, I'm always trying to at least you know give things more of a more of a chance than I maybe used to. Yeah, same. I uh, I recently fell into in the last couple of days. I I fell into a band, big big black. I think it's big oh, black. Oh, is that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That old like experimental noise band, right? Yeah, big black, the three piece there. I don't, I don't know why it's the, the female fronted vocals and uh, the the two and again the two guitar players and a drummer on that one, uh, which I'm certain they have some kind of you know effect to do bass. But yeah, I've been listening to their ten minute long weird songs for the past like three days straight, just you know constantly in the headphones here. Uh, so I guess I've entered my post uh, post metal phase, as my editor likes to call it. But, <laughs> but yeah, is that, right. is that Steve Albini's old band? Oh my god, I, you're putting me on the spot here, and I don't what? know. Did Steve Steve Albini play in Big Black, or was that Shellac? Am I thinking of? Oh. Maybe I'm thinking of a different. Let me double okay. check really quick. Big Brave, sorry. Big Brave. Okay. Ah, Big Brave. That's who I've been listening to. Ah. They had a Southern Lord and Thrill Jockey release here recently, and um, yeah, I've been listening to them, and it's very, I don't know, weird. Right on. Yeah, it's, it's always good to pick up some new stuff along the way. Yeah, man. It's not my wheelhouse, but here we are. I'm stuck listening to it because it's like a weird version of Bjork, and I don't know. Fucking some go, weird man. shit. <laughs> well, I don't want to keep you guys too much longer, and uh, you know, we had a hurricane here today, so I'm going to... Oh, shit. Yeah, it's kind of simmered down a little bit. It hit hard this morning, I guess, but I was asleep. So and November hurricanes, man. It's kinda kinda weird. Yeah, and I mean we could talk hurricanes. Obviously, you guys are we are the bands based in Louisiana, know a little something about it. But you know, so does Florida. It's nothing big. It's every day, yeah. uh, every other day it feels like we have thunderstorms, so it's not yeah too far off. But uh congratulations on the new album and the success it is receiving. And uh obviously Thank good you. luck with the upcoming tours or going to Europe and stuff like that. And obviously I'm sure 2023 we'll see a lot of good horror in the future. Um, you know, I was really hoping that Sammy, you would have some kind of weird, like I like to play the claw games and shop at target, target cannibal corpse type story. And then we could go down a weird, you know, nerdy pathway, but I get it. It's metal no, all man. the way through and through. I get it. I understand it's, it. It's, it's what I do. You cut me and slaughter comes out of my veins, you know? <laughs> it's, you know what, though? We need. It's probably good to have some people still based in it, just fully based in it, and we need that. But we also need, like, the corpse grinder, just weird left left curve or a curveball with some weird shit, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, what, what, whatever tickles your fancy, you know? I get it. I, can, I get it. I can attest, man. It's all, all metal all the time with that dude, so... Cool. Well, do you want to give out uh, your guys' personal Instagrams or anything like that? Because obviously we'll link the, the band stuff. But I know, uh, Sammy, you said you do a lot of like guitar stuff and you sell your personal stuff. And Zach wants to let everybody know what he's having for lunch. So, you know, I, where, can they, where can they follow you personally at to get more information? Yeah, on Instagram, I'm just at Sammy Pierre Douay, all one word. Uh, I believe mine's whole in the FKN sky on instagram so uh yeah come say hey yeah give give me a follow you get to see my cats and my guitars yeah we've got some sweet cats man yeah before we get out of here i I want to bring up the cats because i totally forgot about when you mentioned it but how many cats do you have i have two okay 
What kind? Are they just stray kind of cats, or do you have... No, I, uh, one of them's a Maine Coon, and one's part Maine Coon, part uh, some other, like, British short hair or something. Interesting. Yeah, both really big and really fluffy. Are they your only cats, or have you had cats your entire life? I've had cats my entire life. Absolutely. The cats are our guardians. Yeah? Well, follow the Egyptians. They know what they're talking oh, well, about. Of course, cats, yeah, yeah, cats yeah. are worship. Cats are worshipped as guardians, you know? Yeah, that's true. They do a lot of imagery with cats, for sure. Well, I was thinking about getting a cat. I just don't know what kind of cat to get. Do I rescue a cat, or do I want to get, like, a unique kind of cat? Rescue, rescue, man. Rescue. Highly yeah. support rescues. As well, as well. That's why I even mentioned it. But I haven't gotten a cat yet, so there's that. They make, you, they make your day a little bit brighter. I have a dog, but, you know, she's getting up there in age. But they're separate. They're t two different kinds of things. I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Sammy, Zach, I appreciate your time. Again, congratulations on the new album. Congratulations on the Billboard success and stuff. And uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more of you guys in 2023. I'm sure Definitely, we man. will. Thank Thanks you for having us, it. man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.